I am really excited to have John McDonald back on Midlife Mastery. Now, last time he was on, we discussed focusing on what you can control, and that remains one of the most popular episodes of Midlife Mastery. In fact, for a while, it was the most downloaded episode. But today, we discuss the importance and the golden opportunity of controlling our time. And that includes starting our day with intention, managing our priorities, and the importance of what we say yes to and what we say no to. So if you're ready to, to play bigger, do better, create a phenomenal midlife, let's get started. All right. So John, you, you've been on the show before. In fact, your episode is consistently the most popular episode of Midlife Mastery. And in fact, it, that one was really on, well, I think the title was focusing on what you can control. And obviously the title attracted people, the content resonated with people. And so we, we got you back on today. And even before we were recording, we're talking about a lot of different things. We're talking about creative process. We're talking about, hey, in midlife, this is kind of a chance to reassess and, and do what you want to do, like move if you want to move somewhere. Kids are out of the house, perhaps. Resources are freed up. You don't have the same constraints that you had before. And then we're also talking a bit about time management. So, and that's one of those things that I find fascinating because I always think that, you know, by the time I'm 50, I really ought to have that figured out. And yet most days I don't because the older I get, the faster time goes. Like my brain is still back, I think somewhere late September, early October, and we're recording this on December 4th, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, but what you, what you just, I want to, I want to highlight something you just said there and uh, because it's, it's important and it's not just about time management. It's about, uh, I, I can't think, I mean, it's millions of things in my life where you said, by the time I'm 50, I should have this worked out. Right. I mean, I can't tell you how many things in my life that if you would have asked a 25 year old me that that I still don't have worked out at 50. I mean, I would have been appalled at myself, literally appalled at myself. Right. Everything from, like you said, time management or what do you want to do with your life or matters of, of faith and matters of, you know, self-esteem. I mean, these things are you still don't have them worked out. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I don't, have, I don't have it all worked out for sure. Absolutely. I, I think the world would come to just a grinding halt if, you know, everyone under 30 realized that no one over 30 really has it all figured out. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like, like, we're just winging it too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's uh, I mean, certainly, certainly there's wisdom and there's experience and there's things that you can look back on and, or, you know, there are some things that I would say I do have worked out better. Right. Absolutely. But I think I think part of what I have worked out better. Oh, I know this is 100 percent to be a fact. Part of what I have worked out better is being uncomfortable without having things worked out. Mm. <laughs> well, and there there is the the piece to, I guess, wisdom. You know, there, there's an old song lyric that, that says, seems like the more I think I know, the more I find I don't. Every answer opens up so many questions. Oh, yeah. No, it, no, it's true. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Well, listen, thank, thanks for having me back on. I, I mean, in, I enjoy our discussions and, and, you know, we have the discussions off, off the mic as well, and they're, they're just as good. And, and I've been following your journey, you know, your health journey and your, of course, I'm a runner. So you, and you've been running and so forth. And it, it's, uh, it's, it's great. And it's inspirational too. And, and, and I give you kudos because part of, part of what we get to do at midlife is we get to realize that everything is not perfect. And there's a lot of 
there's a lot of things that are probably great in, in any individual's life. And then there's a lot of things that probably that aren't great. Right. But you take someone like yourself and you're on this, you're on this journey, this health journey. And you know, you're just honest with us. You say, well, listen, here's, here's where I thought I was going to be, but here's where I am. But I'm really happy about this. And I know this other thing I can do better. And I just look at that and I say, you know, we, those are the kinds of things that we have to a recognize and be embraced to some degree. Right. I mean, we are trying to, I mean, I'm a believer in, in trying to become the best version of yourself, but I also understand that the best version of myself or the best version of yourself is this perfect target that I'll never get to. And, and that's okay. Cause it's about growth for me. It's about moving forward. Right. You know, the, the most painful part of the whole process that, that I find, and thank you for the, for the kudos. I mean, we're, we're all kind of on that, <laughs> that, that journey is overcoming the things or doing the things that I know I need to do. Like, you know, so much I, you know, for the first time ever, I've reached out for help with, with, you know, Kevin English and, and fitness and, and nutrition help and all that. But one of the barriers for me is like, I already know what I need to do. Like, I, at least I know the, the initial big chunks. Yeah. There's refinement later, but, and I think many of us are there and that's per- perhaps part of the wisdom that comes from being, you know, over 50, you know, yeah. When I was 25, I didn't know this stuff, but over time I know it. And when I don't do it, that's where it becomes painful. You know, just like, I know I should, but I'm really comfortable right here. Like, yeah, I'll do it tomorrow or, or, or whatever. And I mean, for me, that's been one of the challenges and one of the places where I've seen setbacks. And also the flip side of that is it's one of the, one of the celebrations and victories just being, cause I, I get such gains when I do what I know I need to do. And I, I think that also sounds just a little ridiculous. A 25 year old would be, you know, just angry at me for going, well, if you know what to do, why don't you just go do it? <laughs> yeah, because, but also, I mean, we've lived, we've lived a bit, right. And, and we know that, I mean, there's some level of comfort and that's why we talked about before about getting out of your comfort zone. And there's some level of comfort that we have. And a lot of times, at least for me personally, anecdotally speaking, it's that comfort zone that keeps me from doing the things that I need, that I know that I need to do. And, and it may be the same for you. And it may be the same for many people in our position, I believe. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I found myself in a, in a position where, you know, there, there, there's a term it's, you know, the, the gremlin, basically it's just kind of that, you know, your, your inner demons gremlin sounds friendlier, but yet, you know, right. Yeah, uh, and that, that, that thing prodding you, telling you you're not good enough or, you know, all of that. And I, I realized I'd found a point in my life where the gremlin was no longer bothering me. Like we'd kind of gotten to this point where I was on my couch, it was on its couch and we just leave each other alone. And <laughs> if that works metaphorically, and it, it was actually a horrible place to be because I wasn't pushing myself. I wasn't challenging myself, you know, as much as I kind of hate the gremlin and, and the inner demons and all of that. At one point in my life, they served the purpose of challenging me to do better. And then I got to this weird place where I just stopped listening to it, but I didn't find inspiration otherwise. And now I'm kind of out the backside of that where I am finding inspiration without the inner torment and which is a much happier place to be. Oh, that's, that's a great way to put that. The inspiration without the inner torment. Yeah, I see exactly. I mean, listen, I agree. I, I, that's one of the benefits of, of, you know, of our time in life, right. Is this ability to look back and, and, 
see those see those troubles, see those little those issues that we've had, and then be able to come to pe- fix certain things and come to peace with other things, right? Yeah, and, and that's you know one one of the biggest changes because you you talked about me being able to say kind of you know here's what worked, here's what didn't, here's where I'm good with things, here's where I'm still fixing things. And before I wouldn't have had that patience with myself. I do tend to be all or nothing. And if I wasn't getting where I wanted to go, it'd be more just like, well, forget it. And that patience is, it's new and I'm enjoying it. Good for you. And it's probably still work. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not necessarily, like, I don't necessarily have the trouble of all or nothing. I can find, I don't like necessarily use the word balance, but I'm going to use it here. Like I like, I can find that balance of things. I like to use the word or elephant shit versus mouse poop, right? Like I'm pretty good. And and I think that's, that's a really important thing for, for most people is to be able to focus on cleaning up the elephant shit and not the mouse poop. Right. So I'm reasonable at this, you know, the all or nothing thing doesn't necessarily cause me issues, but I can, I do find myself getting discouraged and I'll tell you this, just one, one little tip, one little thing that has helped me with this, this getting demoralized. If I'm not, if I'm not where I either expect to be or trying to get to or whatever, it's this simple act of keeping score. You mentioned a little bit earlier, like what you're doing, but you know what I do. So for example, I've been, I've been, we talked about experiments. I go through little personal experiments. I've been putting myself through a personal experiment. Uh, experiment. I'm almost through it. 60 days of intermittent fasting. Now, and the reason I'm doing it is not really physical. It's more, it's more mental, right? But here's the thing. On my whiteboard, you can't see, your listeners can't see, but on my whiteboard right over there, I have, I just have, I take, keep little tick marks like, like you see in prison movies or you see in the, you know, the guy, the guy's on the, on, stranded on an island and he's like ticking off the days. So I'm doing that. And I do that. I'm looking over there. I'm at day 54. Today will be 55 of 60. And I do that because those, that keeping score reminds me that I've made progress. And so I think we as we as humans if we think we like to take credit i think that works on our psyche and so this concept of keeping score for me ticking you know ticking off the days on my 60 day intermittent fasting journey for you it's you know it could be the you know the runs i know you're doing run running every day right and it's it's keeping score on runs for some whether if if it's if, if it's nutrition related you know i'm i'm keeping track of of what i'm doing if it's if it's work related you know it might be taking wins on on whatever it is that you do but this concept of keeping score is a very powerful powerful for ourself for our own personal self psyche in order to keep us moving forward and get over this all or nothing or this demoralized, you know, state that we can get in. Yeah. I like the visual aspect of that. I mean, I'm a visual person. I like to be able to see. So I like the idea of the whiteboard with the check marks. It's, it's kind of in your face, but it's in a good way. I mean, you, you know, just always a reminder because one of the things I know is if I don't document stuff, my brain doesn't remember it right. And, and, and what I mean by that is like, if, you know, if you're working out, lifting weights, what I remember doing versus what I actually did are often not the same thing. If I don't document like, oh yeah, but you know, yeah, lifted, lifted weights, like, you know, almost every day last much. 
But if I look at my actual workout logs, it's like, well, maybe not. That's not an accurate. Maybe not as much as I thought. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And in part because I'm thinking about it. And, you know, I think, oh, I should lift today. And then, oh, something happens. So I don't end up doing it. But in my brain, I went through all that mental process. And so it still kind of registers like, oh, yeah, I think I did. So I, anyway, long way of saying, John, I do love the idea of the whiteboard with the check marks. And, and <laughs> I, also, I also love the idea that it sounds like, you know, you're focused on kind of one experiment at a time or not 17 experiments. Yeah, sometimes. I mean, I, I do certain things, maybe maybe push a couple things together, but they're typically in orthogonal spaces. So they wouldn't necessarily like, I'm an engineer. I'm a sci- I'm not a scientist, of course, but you know, there's a lot of science in my, in my background and, and, and thought process. And w- when you're doing experiments, when you're trying to figure out in my world, like for example, why some software isn't working or whatever, you really want to change one thing at a time. It's not always possible. And it's, you don't always have to do it that way, but it is the easiest way to figure out whether what you changed is part of the solution or whether it's it hasn't helped at all, right? So are you do you do much tracking with biodata? Yeah, so that's a first of all, it's a great question. And I would say I'm probably more than the average person, but less Okay. So I used to have, I used to wear my, my Garmin triathlon watch all the time because it was tracking my, my bio data, tracking my heart rate and my steps and my sleep. And in addition to all my workouts, of course. And I actually wrote about this not too long ago, but what I realized from myself is it was driving me crazy. And it's, and it's interesting. My daughter just said the same thing to me. My daughter, who was a college athlete and is now uh, about to, to graduate as a registered dietitian and is very much into all of that kind of thing. But she said to me the other day, and she has an Apple watch. She said, dad, I had to take my watch off because it was becoming obsessive. And so for me, it was the same thing. I was and, it, and it's interesting because the bio data was part of the demanding attention and the obsessive piece, but also it was literally just the smartwatch, the buzzing and beeping of you have a message or whatever it is. And so, you know, I took it off and I took it off because I was tired of it demanding my attention. And then what I realized was I, and I didn't even realize about this until I took it off, was subconsciously the bio data thing I was starting to obsess on. And for me, it wasn't healthy because from a mindset standpoint, it wasn't healthy because physically I'm, I'm in, I'm in a, I'm in a good place. I'm in a fine place. Right. So I didn't need to, I didn't need that part of it, but for some people and for many people, it's, it's a great way to keep score, especially with the steps and all that. And we can, you know, we can debate the weather, keeping tracks of steps is even something useful for, for physical health or not. But the reality is, is it is a way to keep score. But so my experience was, yeah, I was tracking all that stuff and I had to stop <laughs> because I was, it was, it was making me crazy. So now what I do, what do I do? I put it on when I, I put it on for my workout, right? I put it on for my run, for my cycle. I mean, I haven't been swimming recently uh, and I won't for a little while yet, but hopefully I will in the future. I do that. That's it. So how about you? Do you have do you have the fitness tracker and do all the things? Oh yeah, yeah. So I've got a Garmin watch as well. And now because well, 
the need for reading glasses, you know, if I get a message, unless the lighting is just perfect, I'm probably not going to know what it says. By, by the general shape of the message, I know, you know, was it an email or a text or whatever, but uh, that's about it. Yeah. So I, I do like to geek out on that stuff. Even if I'm not doing much with it, I still like to geek out on it. So, you know, I have, you know, well, 20, 20 years of just, you know, weight data. Yeah. Oh, yeah I don't, I don't have that. Yeah. And there, there, there's, there's a few gaps in it where I apparently I wasn't tracking it or I lost that log, but you know, not that not even though I was doing something with it, just, I like to see the pattern over time. Yeah. And so I also track my sleep. I've been writing that down. You know, that's something that Kevin's got me doing is just trying to think about sleep more because I'm not that great at sleep. And yet it seems like every single guest I talk to sleep has come up as kind of the secret weapon to. It could be for me as well. I mean, I, you know, you and I could talk about that for days because, because uh, I mean, you know, you know this, right? If, and I have experienced this when, if you don't sleep well, your day sucks. Yeah. It, it, and it didn't matter when I was 25. It matters a lot now at 52. Yeah. The, the margin for error is uh, much finer now than it was earlier, you know, but you know, honestly, most days I still probably get between six and a half and seven. That's good. I, yeah. I mean, I don't, I I just don't enjoy sleep that much. I don't like sleeping in. I, even if I'm not doing anything, I still like being up and feeling like I'm yeah. part of the world. Yeah, I don't um, sleep in either, but I go and, to bed early. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I got that too. You know, I, in the past, I used to be up in the middle of the night for a couple hours and you know, I'd read or do something then and I'll almost enjoy that quiet time. But anyway, so, but it wasn't helping me. So, wow, long way of saying, yeah. So, you know, track sleep, weight, my steps are pretty consistent throughout the day. So that's more of just an anomaly. There's not much tracking there, but most of it is just tracking runs. Yeah, it's good. And, and again, it's, that's, it's keeping score. It's, it's being able to take credit for what you did and not trick yourself into thinking that you've maybe done more than you, yeah, than you did. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and the, you know, and there's also the flip side to it because you, you can go the other way in tricking yourself and thinking like, oh, I've just never been here before, and being able to look back and go, oh no, I have. You know, the, the, <laughs> it's I just forgot. I didn't realize that I was here, or I thought I was here a bunch and I wasn't. And so this is actually a victory to get here. I mean, I'm thinking about kind of weight in general. That that's one measure that if I'm not tracking it, I. It's easy to forget where I was even last week. In fact, you know, so another example is I talked briefly on the on my last episode or recent episode, depending on when this airs. Sorry, listeners, that's the whole time lapse of podcasting, recording, and releasing. But I, I, I talked a bit, and I was on Kevin's podcast, uh, Over Fifty Health and Wellness podcast, talking about giving up caffeine. And you know, it felt like wow, it's I know I've given it up before, but it's been a long while since I've done that. But of course, you know, Facebook and social media, you know, they, they show you your post a year ago, two years ago. And, it, you know, it turns out I gave up caffeine like four times in the past six years in October. Ah, I, there's, a, there's a pattern there. I never knew. And, and that's part of that tracking, I think, without really tracking it, it, it feels like this new novel thing. And it's like, oh, yeah, no, I do that all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's. Again, this, you know, this keeping score, this just tracking it, like gives you this good awareness, right? I think, I think awareness, one of the things that I, over the last 10 years or so that has really helped me has, has the, has been a focus on 
developing what I would consider as a, an, an accurate self-awareness. And that's part of it, right? Part of it right. is looking at things like objectively, like data that you've taken on, on yourself over time and say, oh, okay, you know, I, I did do this well. I didn't do that well. And those are, you know, those are, those are important aspects to help you actually focus on the elephant shit instead of the mouse poop. <laughs> Well, you know, John, let's talk a little bit about time management because sure. I, I mean, we, we mentioned it early on and actually all this, I think, sort of relates because what we've been talking about is sort of tracking and managing our priorities. It um, is. And, and so, but, but let's go a little bit deeper because when I think about time management, what I know now is I, I feel busier than ever. And I think that's why my life feels like, you know, it's in this time warp that time keeps speeding up, you know, because it's keeping up with kids, even though one kid's out of the house and another one's soon to be graduating high school. There's still a lot keeping up there. There's just sports life, the things I'm trying to do, feeling like I have more time maybe because I'm not, you know, trying to keep up with five-year-olds anymore, but I don't really have more time I'm trying to get in more fitness related stuff. Like when my kids were five, yeah, they didn't care if I went for a long run or a long bicycle ride and, or, or as much anyway, or I could work it in more. And I don't know, I, I'm babbling here, John, save me. And I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to get to a question. Yeah. Why, why does time seem harder to manage now? Yeah, it's interesting. I think, so I think there's a couple, a couple things have really helped me. And I, and I would say one of the most important realizations and just concepts that have helped me not only move forward, but enjoy my life a lot more is the most liberating sort of moment in my life has been the moment that I realized that I control my own time. And, and again, and we've spoke about this in the past, you know, I, I, my, I have a day, I'm an employee, right? I, my day job, and I have been for most of my career. I mean, yes, I do some entrepreneurial, have some entrepreneurial endeavors, but I mean, really my main gig is I, I have a day job. And I worked for a long time in, in corporate America. And the, the, the sort of come to Jesus moment that I had was I, I was working when my kids were little and in this particular project, I was working through the night because, I mean, my day was full of meetings. And so the only time I could get work done was at night after the family went to bed. And I'm sitting there, I just remember the, the glow of the screen and because I'm a software developer, I was writing software. And I just remember thinking, I'm looking at my, I'm like, I'm just tired. I can't, I can't do this. I'm looking at my schedule for the next day. And, and I, and I can't, I can't find any time where I'm going to finish whatever it is I'm trying to finish. And I just said to myself, I looked at these meetings and I'm like, I don't need to be at any of those meetings. Literally none of, I don't, none of them are for me. And so, you know, this is a very particular case, but I went through, I canceled a bunch of meetings and, and worked through and over, over the period of a couple of weeks sort of worked through this. But what I realized was, is I can apply this same concept to the rest of my life. It's not just my working during the day where I felt like I didn't have any control over my time. I felt like that was true in general, right? And so this liberating, this like most liberating moment of my life was when I realized, you know what? I really do control my time. So the question is, how do you do it? 
in an effective way to both make yourself productive in a way that you're, you're trying to, you're, you know, we're still trying to do things, we're still trying to be the best version of ourselves, and still trying to move our professional lives forward, but also be able to enjoy the things and find, find time for other things that are important. For example, the exercise plan or eating correct, eating right. Because the other thing we know when it comes to our health is when we feel like we don't have a lot of time or we feel like we're out of time or that, then we typically make poor food choices, right? I'm sure you've experienced that. I know I do it myself, right? I, I do it myself. So anyway, so I've, I've looked at time. And first of all, what I realize is there's no such thing, or I, I don't look at it as managing my time. What I do is I look at it as prioritizing my time. So I look at it as a time prioritization rather than a time management. And I also see it as there's two different levels, two different arc arcs that we have to handle. And the, the big picture arc are the things that we say yes to and the things that we say no to. That manages our time on this macro scale. Because it's all about, well, what, what are the things that I'm doing and what are the things that I've chosen not to do at the, in the big picture? And there's a, there's a science to saying yes to things and there's an art to saying no to things. And we'll talk about that in just, in just a sec. But the, and then the other piece to this is the micro level. How do you manage your time? How do you prioritize and balance your time through, throughout your day? Throughout your day. And so let's, I mean, let's just sort of talk about this science of saying yes and, and art to saying no. One of the magic parts of this, of this midlife that we're in is that we should we should, and I give everybody out there who's listening permission to do this thing. You should be able to say yes thing, yes to more things that you want to want to do, and say no to more things that you do not want to do. And but the reason why I say there's this saying, there's a science to saying yes, and there's an art to saying no, and it gets back to the comfort zone a bit here too. Is saying yes to things is about opportunities. It's about, it's about the number of opportunities. The, basically, the more things you say yes to, the more opportunities to do things you want to do will, will be there. And there's this opportunity chaining that occurs. You, I say yes to, to being on your podcast and someone may hear this and then reach out to me and that person now I'm connected with that person and we have a and we have a, a conversation or or that person is able to help me or I'm able to help that person. So there's this sort of chain of opportunities that occur the more you say yes to things. But of course, if you say yes to everything, then you can't do anything. You find yourself in this in this weird paradoxical state where you, you don't feel like you have time for anything. So how do we say no? So you have to choose, you have to be opportunistic about the things you say yes and no to. But when it comes to no, there's typically, the, there's an art of saying no. There's an art to saying no because we're typically emotionally tied up in these things that we're saying yes. So if you're the kind of person that likes to help other people out, and, and I am one of those people, I like to say yes because I feel like I'm helping somebody out. When And so there's this emotional connection you have to it. And so you have to, you really have to be able to step back and look at it and say, okay, if I say yes to this, I might be helping that person out, but I also ultimately 
may be hurting myself or I might actually not be able to help that person out, right? You know, there's a bunch of people in the in the you know business success world and uh, guys you know like Steve Jobs and so forth. I mean, when Steve Jobs came back to Apple, the the way he got it back on track was basically cutting out was just saying no to a thousand things. Saying yes to these couple things that we do well and we're going to say no to a thousand things, right? So that's, you know, in the business success world, but you can you can apply that to your life too. If you say no to too many things, of course, you'll have no opportunities. But if you say yes to too many things, you'll have, you'll be over, over, overwhelmed, right? And there's this other thing, this other little piece on the emotional side when we say no. Sometimes we feel bad about saying no. And so that's why there's this art to it because your emotion is, you know, your emotion is tied up into this. So saying, saying yes is about opportunities and saying no is about focus and depth because at some point what with these opportunities then you have to latch on to something you got to go deep on it right so i look at it like this i have to say yes keep saying yes until i find the opportunities or the things in my life that i want to do and then i have to start saying no to things it's always a trade-off right there's this trade-off Okay. So that's, that's kind of how I look at it and, and what's helped me certainly from a, from a macro standpoint. And by the way, the organizations that I, that I'm in charge of, I, we run them that way. We talk about, we talk about, well, what are the things that we should say yes to? And uh, it, it gets back to the elephant shit and the mouse poop. Like what are the things that we should say yes to? And what are the things that we have to say no to? So that's true in organizations that I lead. And it's also true in my personal life. And, you know, we get it wrong sometimes, but, <laughs> but, but there are methods and, and we, we don't need to get into all that stuff now, but there, of course, there are methods to try and figure out why, you know, whether we should, we should do yes, or we should say no. But I like to say, and really, and this definitely works for me personally. I don't, I don't necessarily need to go through all that. I look at it like this in any given moment, what, is more uncomfortable for me. If saying yes to something feels more uncomfortable, then I should probably say yes. If saying no feels more uncomfortable because I'm afraid maybe I'm going to disappoint somebody or whatever, I should probably say no. So I use my comfort zone there as a guide to say, well, what should I say yes or no to in, in any given moment, right? So... Uh... Give us some refinement on that, John, because sometimes, you know, when we're uncomfortable saying yes or saying no, it's because, yeah, it was a really bad idea. Yeah. You know, kind of that gut feel, we, we can't really articulate it, but it just doesn't feel right. Yeah, there is that. I, I mean, you do, have to, you do have to weigh these things. But again, my comfort zone is a stone cold sage. It just is. Like, I know that, I mean, there's a difference between... I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm irrationally afraid of heights, like a lot of people are, right? Seems, seems like a rational fear to me, but sure, we'll deal with it. <laughs> right. I'm irrationally afraid of heights. But I, I really, and I, and I think I've been pretty good at this, I've not said no to anything because it would put me in a, in a height situation, right? And I will take opportunities to, for example, go stand at the edge of the building, 
or go out onto the balcony and look over the edge. Or I used to, when I was running in Center City, Philly, I would run over the Ben Franklin Bridge and stand, stand in the middle of, at the, at the height of its arc and look over the edge and feel the discomfort. And so when I say my, my, my comfort zone is a stone cold sage, I mean, I can look at it intellectually and say, you're not going to fall. There's not going to be a problem here. So deal with it. Right. And that's what I mean when I say I use my comforts because, because you're right. I mean, and there are certain, certain situations that are much, would be much more difficult to, to just use that particular approach for. But I think if you think about it, it's pretty good. Like for me anyway, it's still a pretty good measure of, of what I should say yes to and what I should say no to. That's you know, that self-awareness, you know? Yeah. And, and you'd mentioned kind of the, that yes and no thing. And that is such an interesting balance because, you know, e- even people like Derek Sivers ha- have mentioned kind of the no or hell yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. The idea that if I'm not fully on board, fully excited about it, I probably shouldn't do it. And yet he is also one to very much articulate that his career was formed because he wasn't saying no to stuff. He was saying yes to ridiculous stuff. Uh, like, so in his case, and I, you know, I'll, I'll flub his story. Apologies, listeners, go listen to it from him. He's done some great podcast episodes on that, but you know, he was a musician, wanted to be a professional musician, was in a band and it, one of the other band members, you know, had a chance to do a gig at like a County fair or something. And he was like, yeah, I'm not doing this. And he was like, what pain gig? Heck yeah. I want to go do that. And, and you know, it, the bus fair and everything, he made like 10 bucks off the day at a County fair. And I kind of think about, you know, someone who's wanting to be a professional musician, that's probably not the path they're wanting, but that led to more gigs, more gigs, more gigs, you know, that he was willing to do those things. Anyway, just, he created this very interesting career from saying, being very, very open to opportunity early on. And now he's at a point where he can say no to things, but. Yeah. And, and I want to, I want to uh, pick one thing on that. And yeah, and, cause you just said it, you just said, you know, we say, we say yes to things early on and then we can say no to things later on. So that's a hundred percent true but let's define what we mean by early on and later on like that doesn't mean early on in life and later on in life it could mean that but here we are um still trying to do things and potentially still trying to start new things i mean we are not too old to be starting new things i want to continue to start new things and so when we say yes to things early on. It's not necessarily an age thing. It is a yes. Here's where I'm at in this part. And I'm trying to start whatever it is you're trying to start. And I, so I need to say yes to these opportunities. I need to keep saying yes. And again, you say yes until you find your opportunity, you find your voice, you find your direction or find your thing, whatever that is. Because if you don't ever say yes, you never give yourself a chance. But then once you found your way, that's when you start saying no. And so that's the to me, that's the difference between you say yes early on and no later on. Like that's, that's what that means. And, and that's a nice distinction. And, and yes, it's easy to think of that as being early on in life. If only because that's the time when we're usually experimenting more, we don't have a solid right. path and all of that. But yeah, any of us at any time can try to take up a new path, whether, you know, I, in fact, I see a lot of people in our space, kind of this midlife Gen X over 50 space that are, you know, starting new businesses or starting blogging. They're 
podcasting, whatever it is, they're, yeah, taking, on, they're taking on new things. You know, they, we, we get to that point and it's like, well, that, you know, the past 20, 30 years have been cool, but it's not really where I see myself the next 20, 30 years. Or I want to just try something different, not, you know, toss it all aside, but take on a side hustle or start gardening or whatever it is. So anyway, a very important distinction there. And, and thank you for highlighting that. Sure. Sure. And uh, let's, let's move over to the, the micro side of things a little bit. Yeah. And that is, and that is how, how you should run your day. And I don't presume to tell anybody how to run their day other than remember you control your time. <laughs> like that's, it's critical for people to understand because I think we go through life, especially if you've spent any time in corporate America thinking that like somehow you're not in control. Like somehow, well, this person is dropping meetings in my calendar. This person is, is, is giving me things that I have to go work on. And you can really, uh, so you can get to a place where you, where you, you just don't even think about the fact that you may actually have a say in how you, and how you spend your time during the day. So I look at it, I look at it like this. There's a couple things and the work that people do matters. The type of work that someone do, does matters of course in this but i think there's still a framework for the day that that anybody can apply and that is you start your day with intention what does that mean does that mean you need to set an alarm and get up to an alarm for some people yes that's what that means and you want to but it more it more means this you get up at the time or approximately the time that you want to and you're getting up at that time because you're going to give yourself some time to yourself in the morning. I mean, it, when you know, if you're a young mother or a young father and you need to get up, you, you got kids to get off to school and kids to get off maybe to, um, to daycare or whatever it is, you should not be getting up at the same time they are. You should be getting up earlier so that you can give yourself a little time to figure out that. And here's why. Because what I found personally, again, anecdotally, and and there's a in the industry and you can see a lot about morning routines right now. And and I'm a believer in morning routines. I don't necessarily believe your morning routine has to have this very strict Navy SEAL disciplined kind of approach to it. And but I do believe that there are certain things that you're you should start your day off with. You should start and it's really three simple concepts. You start your day off with a clear head about prioritizing your time for the day. What am I what are the things that I need to do today? And always pick a first thing. Pick not a first thing you're going to do necessarily, but pick the number one priority today. What do I have to spend some time on if everything goes to shit today, right? If everything goes to shit and nothing works out the way it was, I still need to spend 5, 10, 15, 30 minutes on X, Y, Z. What is that? And it could be something related to work or it could be something, nothing related to work could be related to family or, or yourself or whatever, but there's that number one priority. So that the first step to the morning routine is, is you got to find something or uh, get yourself up and, and the first in enough time to think about the day with a clear head and write it down. I th I'm a believer in writing it down so that when shit goes to goes crazy, you can look at it and say, oh no, I have to, here's my priorities, right? So that's the first one. And the, the other two are really, you have to prime your mind for the day in a positive standpoint. And I use, I use, uh, uh, I use some, some things that I do around gratitude, 
right? Like I'm showing you my, you know, my mug here, gratitude. I, I, I think intentional gratitude is a ridiculously powerful self-talk practice that we should all be in. And we can, do, we can do a whole nother episode on, on intentional gratitude, but that's one, that's a big one for me. So you got to get your mind going in a positive direction and then you have to get your body going in a positive direction. So there's, it's physical, it's mental, and it's thinking about through the day or, or working out your priorities for the day with a clear mind. Again, it's so important to be able to do this with a clear mind. That's why you got to get yourself up five, 10 minutes, 15, half an hour, 60 minutes earlier than, you know, maybe than just running out the door. So do you, Brock, do you, is there anything in particular that you do there in the morning? Yeah. So depending on the day, I do like to be be up and just have space for my brain. Um, just kind of the way I'm wired. I don't like dropping into the chaos of the day, even being up a few minutes before I get ready and being at work a few minutes before I really need to get started. I do have a a bit of a gratitude practice and essentially what you said, focusing my mind on on what I want to create for the day. I'm probably less good about the specific priorities for that day. I I tend to think just kind of bigger, what direction am I heading in? So that's an area I can definitely improve. Prime body. Yeah. When, when I'm at my best, I do get out for a run in the morning or something, even just, you know, something a little physical. That's the one that probably gets pushed to the end of the day more than other things. Um, Once my brain's ready and all that, I'm kind of, kind of going to the day, but yeah. So I do have a bit of a morning routine, but of course, always looking for ways to improve that. So I love these thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you a little bit about what I, what I do specifically. And again, you know, I I gave you the categories of things that I think are important. And then the specifics in the, I think people can can find their way within those categories. But I'll just, I'll just tell you what mine looks like. And it does change. My mind has changed over time. It will continue to change. Yours can do, yours should do. But right now, here's what I do. I drink 24 ounces or 20 ounces, basically a blender bottle full of water. Like, like first thing, not basically when my feet hit the floor. I mean, that's basically, I just pour the water and I drink that down quick. So that's part of the physical thing. The other thing I do is a hundred movements of something. It used to always be push-ups, but I got to get my shoulder replaced. So I'm at the, the push-ups are, are on the back burner for now. So I do air squats or I do, you know, sometimes crunches or a combination. You know, I'm not necessarily doing the whole thing, but I do just hundred movements. And by the way, that takes, I don't know, four minutes. It doesn't take any time, but I'm breathing a little bit, you know, my, 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 my lungs are pumping just a smidge. So I, I'm not a morning workout guy. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not up at, at 5am either going to the gym or doing my run. Like I'm a lunchtime run guy, right. Or a lunchtime workout guy. Um, but I know lots of people who love the morning thing. And so absolutely that qualifies. That's a great thing. Some people just like to take a walk during the morning, just something to just, you know, you got out of bed, your your knees probably hurt. Your, you know, maybe, maybe your shoulder hurts. You just gotta, just gotta get that stuff going in the right direction. And then from a mindset standpoint, I told you about the, the gratitude. I also do a lot of reading in the morning. I find something that's not work-related, that's usually personal growth or faith-related, and I uh, don't have to spend a lot of time, sometimes five minutes, sometimes um, it's 30 minutes and where did the time go kind of a thing, but it's just something. This morning routine that you take, that you put together, it can be, it can be 10 minutes or it can be an hour. It's just those three things. Focus on uh, or create what is your list for the day, 
get your mind going in the right direction from a positivity standpoint and get your body going in, in the right direction from a positivity standpoint too. And I've created a, a little, a little, just a one pager that I fill out for myself. It's got my gratitude stuff on it. It's got, you know, what, what's my takeaway for the person from my personal development for the day? What's my number one priority? And then here's the rest of my list of things I need to do. I, back when I first, when I first created this sort of run in my day thing, I did also, I went through a time management course from a, from a guy named Darren Hardy. And maybe you or a lot of your listeners uh, would, uh, know who he is and he's kind of a personal growth business expert kind of a guy really important he's written a couple of really interesting books that i recommend one is called uh the compound effect and the other one is it's something about the entrepreneur roller coaster or something like that right both really excellent especially if if you're interested on the business side but i took this time management course my wife and i took it from him and it was really excellent and the one the one major nugget that i took at it i took two two nuggets out of that one is one is be careful about taking other people's monkeys, right? When someone comes and just, you know, they spend five minutes with you and they unload all of their demons, all of their problems onto you. And somehow you've just like taken them all on, right? <laughs> so that's one. But the other one was real hard and fast time management for the day, time priority for the day. And it was schedule yourself some focus periods, whether it's somewhere between 30 minutes and 90 minutes where you're going to put all your devices and do not disturb. And yes, that means your work email or your work Slack or whatever it is, you turn it off. And so you can focus. Now, obviously, if you don't have that, if you don't work in a, in a, I mean, if you're outside doing, you know, if you work more laboriously than I do, I'm a software developer. I mean, okay, maybe that doesn't a help you or b really matter too much. But like, if you're in a in an office office setting or something like that, I found that super important. And in fact, it was so helpful that I don't actually have to schedule those periods of of in time of or, or during my day anymore because I know that when I'm looking at you know X Y Z on my on my list that I'm turning everything off. Mm. So anyway, that's been helpful for me, for sure. I like the idea of the morning routine just simply because I find if I don't do whatever my I'm doing in my morning routine, I feel behind all day long. I feel like I'm just scrambling to, to catch up. Yeah, I feel the same. If, if I'm I not starting, if I'm not starting with that intention and that, that you know, the, the, the focus time, very, very important. And in the time about pushing comfort zones, for some people that is like, shutting outlook off for, you know, any length of time or, you know, whatever your instant messenger is, that that can be a bit of a challenge. And so that may be a good place to explore it, to free up that time. So you can give it that focused thought. And And if you're, if you're a leader too, like if you're, if you, if you have people that, that work for you or, or even if it's a volunteer organization or whatever, if you're a leader of an organization or a team of people, give them the ability to do the same thing. Don't expect you don't have to expect real-time communication all the time. I mean, everybody's work and job and whatever they, is, is, is a little different. And I'm, I'm not saying that, that there aren't times when that, 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 that's important. I'm just saying you give your people, you give your team these, you know, these, these ropes as well. Let them, you know, let them control, control their time to the best of their extent as well. Yeah. So, so kind of powerful wrap up there. Just the, you mentioned early on the idea that your time is yours 
and kind of what a game changer that was for you realizing that, okay, there's stuff coming at you, but there's still things you can do around. How do you, how do you filter that? How do you fit it in? How do you ensure that you're getting to your priorities? And uh, yeah, I mean, as we wrap up, John, any, any kind of final words here? No, just, 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 yeah, just a couple little things. One is again, the, one of the most liberating moments in my life was the time was when I realized when I came to the realization, it was like kind of a lightning bolt moment that, oh my gosh, I do control my own time. I actually have a say in how I spend my time. So that, you know, that was really sort of that, that lightning bolt moment. And then then we take that and then we go be intentional about it. We go be intentional about how we're going to spend our day. And so I give everybody, everybody that's listening to this, if you work in a in an office setting or a corporate America some way, listen, you could, I give you permission, start declining meetings. <laughs> 100%. I guarantee you, you do not need to be at as many meetings as you go to right now, right? So start declining them. <laughs> that's what you could say no to beginning. Yeah, there, there is certainly some intentionality there, being able to look at it and go, yes, I need to be here. No, I don't need to be here. Someone can update me. I can get a summary. Or I don't even remember why I go to this meeting, and I would, no one would notice if I was not there. A great gauge for that is if you find yourself doing other work in the meeting, you don't need to be there. Mm. 100%. You don't need to be there. Well, some good advice, some good thoughts, John. I know you're always looking for ways to get even better in your life. So appreciate you coming on again to kind of share what you've learned and what works for you. And, and hopefully that'll help others. If others want to learn more about you, because you mentioned you, you blog post occasionally, where can they find you? Yeah. So John Mack online is my, is my handle on the various social services and Instagram is kind of my main thing that I, I just find that platform to be the, the most interesting to myself. So you can find me at John Mac online. And also my blog is at johnmacconline.com. It's just articles. You know, there's no, I'm not really running a business through that. There's, you know, there's no, nothing for sale or anything. And if you want to reach out to me, please, I would, I would love for people to reach out to me. I love connecting and, and just talking. So you can, you, again, on Instagram, at John Mac online, or uh, you can send me email, just John at John Mac online.com would be, would love to talk to anybody who just wants to talk about, you know, this, this thing we call midlife for sure. Excellent. Well, John, thank you so much for being on today. Well, thanks Brock. Again, you, you guys, I love this resource. You, you're doing such a great great service for for you know guys like me and people in our in our these uh, this gen xers were kind of the lost lost generation when it comes to uh social media and things like this so thank you man appreciate it